You're listening to Marketing Major at Josh and Mo, a podcast created for students by students who are curious about marketing. All right, so uh, welcome back to our listeners for another episode of Marketing Major. Uh, this one's really exciting. So last episode, we had Adam from Startup Edmonton on to talk about um, the technology industry in Edmonton. And then today we're going to get more marketing specific and talk about marketing for startups. Uh, so to help us tackle that topic, we have Stephanie and Peter, um, who I'll get to introduce themselves and just a bit of your background. So we'll start with you, Stephanie. Sure. So I'm Stephanie Enders. I'm the Director of Marketing and Communication at Innovate Edmonton, a division of Edmonton Economic Development Corporation. And so I have the pleasure of managing a big team. I have a team of 10 uh, and we tell all kinds of stories about the innovation ecosystem here in Edmonton and then support the work of really great programs like Startup Edmonton, the Advanced Technology Center and Edmonton Made. Sweet. And Peter? Uh, yeah, Peter Bishop. I uh, partner and a director of conversion over at ZGM. Uh, generally look after the product team, the data insights team, and the content team for the most part. Uh, and uh, yeah, I've been doing this for roughly around 20 years. Um, started out as an illustrator and somehow stumbled into kind of this area, but it's a bit of a blurry mess to be honest. <laughs> what uh, piqued your interest um, just for both of you like in, in technology, given that you guys both have marketing backgrounds? Uh, well, I can start yeah, if you ahead. want. Yeah. I, uh, I, since day one, my dad used to bring home an Apple IIe to, uh, he was a teacher, so he'd bring him home on the summer holidays. And so I'd sit there and play video games back, they're barely video games back then, it was like black and green, uh, little kind of bit video games, but it was it's since day one. So the, the notion that I was able to kind of create a career doing it was a, like a dream come true, because at the time I think I was waitering and I thought that that was going to be the path. I'm pretty lucky. And I would say my story is probably the opposite. I'm a bit of a Luddite. It's a big joke in the startup spaces. I've never played a video game. <laughs> and so technology is definitely not uh, the thing I rely on is like to bring me joy in my life. But what I do really love is that it's really passionate people that are obsessed with solving a problem. And that obsession has driven them to create these really cool products and companies that are there to be of service to their customers. And my life before Startup Edmonton and Innovate Edmonton is I spent 10 years in arts and culture marketing. And so I really loved that process because I was at table readings and art openings and I really got to see the creative process. And it was a way for me to support things that I thought were really important to our communities and uh, folks that built technology and people that build art are kind of built the same way they have the same drive and being of service to people like that is what really keeps me going it seems like a common theme between like marketing and technology is that there's usually some sort of issue that you're trying to like provide a solution to um, is there a certain type of challenge that you guys commonly see with um, startups that come to you looking for marketing solutions I'll dive into this one first. I think the number one challenge I see founders making, or I guess mistake when it comes to marketing is they're trying to really sell the crap out of a feature list. And what they really should be focusing on is selling the feeling of the end story. So how your customer is going to feel when you've solved their problem. So focusing on that, that end portion of the story rather than all the bells and whistles that you built, that helps people 
see themselves using the product a lot faster than going through an inventory of all of the things that you've built that they may or may not know that they need. Yeah, that's, that's a real, that's exactly right. The other thing I see a lot is just not enough research. So we all think our problems are universal, but sometimes they're not. And unless you test your ideas with friends, even before you put anything down on paper, you can be testing, 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 and then and then test your paper stuff and then test your prototypes. And then before you get to the final product where it's the most expensive place to find out that it's the wrong thing, just iterate and test as long, as much as you can, even verbally is such a just, again, often overlooked step. So. From, from marketing and tech and then marketing in more traditional sense where it's, you know, whatever product or service that's been offered, what's the major difference between the two if you've worked on both, both types of projects before? Yeah, you're talking more kind of like as a tech, as a product versus a service or something like that. The example that we have here, like let's say you're a pizza company and you're marketing your your products rather than being more tech focused and working in and marketing from that more tech perspective. Um, what's the major kind of difference between the two? Because most students, I would say, are thinking about marketing from a more traditional sense, where the future might not be the same. Well, it's funny. I think. To me, it all, it's all the same. You, there's a bunch of arrows in your quiver and you, you should be looking at all of them regardless of what the thing is you're selling. Typically with technical uh, products and whatnot, uh, it tends to be more faceless. Like you, you have the ability to scale, hopefully. And that means you're not generally a face-to-face -face with your customer. So a lot of your marketing does tend to be more digitally focused um, with that scale in mind. So I think when we get to that, you know, CRM becomes a lot more critical, uh, email automation, you know, workflows and all those kind of big things that kind of come with mass producing kind of advertising makes, uh, makes it a little bit more critical. You're not as able to kind of go pound this pavement or, you know, put up even an outdoor at the beginning, your, your money has to stretch. And quite often the easiest way to stretch it is online. So, um, I think that's kind of the difference, you know, when, when you're, when you're talking more brick and mortar, like let's say a restaurant or something like that, you have the ability to kind of affect the geo area of that. But when you're going software, typically you're now speaking to the unwashed masses and, and you got to go pretty digital pretty fast. So when it comes to SaaS marketing, I think that's, that's kind of what you're getting cool. at. Do you think it's, sorry, just to jump in, do you think it's, it's harder to identify, let's say like your, your customers or your target segment when you're talking more tech or software focused? No, I think the principles are the same, um, but you just, you have to be more careful, I think, because you, you know, again, you're looking at bigger segments. So you, you gotta, you gotta go down and really dig deep into why you exist, who this is for, and then really get to like, who is your target audience? It's like that with everything. I think maybe what happens with software is that maybe that gets skipped a little more than it should because you're thinking everyone's going to love this, but you really still have to market down to a target if you're going to be successful. I think probably I remember when I was, uh, I took a really small program at McEwen University called Arts and Cultural Management. So not a marketing focused program at all, but we, we studied marketing. And the biggest shift for me moving from arts and culture into supporting founders as they were building marketing plans was that concept of supply and demand. And we talk about scale, and if students aren't familiar what scale means, the way that I think about it in its most simple terms is scale means that 
your product can be sold and used by any customer in the world while you're asleep. They don't need your involvement or the involvement of your team to have access to the product. And so that really changes the way you think about marketing because you have goals to hit, but they're not goals based on how many widgets are available to sell because you can keep on selling the same thing over and over again. And so I think that's one thing to wrap your head around as a student when it comes to tech products. And when we talk about tech products, there's like enterprise software, there's SaaS that's such a big version of products, it's hard to kind of say they're all the same. But that's the one to wrap your head around is that the, the available product to sell, especially if you are in a SaaS market or if you're in a video game, is it's never ending. You're not going to stop. You can always sell more of it. And when you're at a restaurant, you're going to sell out of a special every day. Or if you're doing a limited edition run of prints, the value comes from the limited addition nature of that process. So that's a big switch into technology is that you just have this vast pool of things to sell. Um, here at Startup Edmonton, where we're recording the podcast today, when we see founders, we actually don't see a ton of consumer-focused uh, product come through. We see a lot of business-to-business, -business and we see a lot of enterprise uh, kind of solution. And that changes your marketing approach too, because it's not so much the unwashed masses, it's getting into the land of true sales, business development, and places like your CRM and your automation become incredibly powerful. And uh, I've been removed from the post-secondary world for a while, so I don't actually know if they teach marketing students about CRMs and about email automation beyond just email newsletters or email marketing, like true email automation based on behavior and actions taken throughout the CRM. Yeah, it's funny. I think if you're selling fuzzy slippers, it's easy to show someone what those are like and they can pick them up and touch them and stuff. When you're talking about a SaaS product, you have to somehow give the same experience where people can try it out or see, imagine themselves using it and you have to understand their problems and be able to speak to them on an empathetic level, but all digital, like you're not in front of them and they can't touch it anymore. So. I think that's the that's the challenge is again with scale is you're still trying to create that one-to-one -one sales experience as close as you can get but now you have to do it on mass and you're not going to be in front of them so i think that's the difference do you guys have examples of either projects that you've personally worked on or like projects that are just out there in terms of startups that you think do really good marketing in terms of their communication and how they approach the marketing for a startup i think uh a company in town that's doing a really good job at marketing their product, and if students want to turn to it as a resource, it's one of our fastest growing startups in town, and it's Jobber. And what I really like about Jobber's approach to marketing is something that we do at Startup Edmonton, similarly for our student programs, is that they approach their customers whole people. They don't think of their customers' challenges only the challenges related to the product. It's all of the challenges that are facing their product and being successful. Um, sorry, their customer and being successful with the product. And so they have a really great content marketing strategy around Jobber Academy. And it's not just articles around how to use their product really well. It's articles around how to be the best lawn care person in your city or how to make the most about new hires for housekeeping. And it's informing their customers how to be better at all the parts of their business with the call to action being we can make your life simpler by using our app. So I think it's a great example of true integrated content marketing and treating your audience or your customer as whole people, not just as that marketing persona where you're thinking about them in the true confines of the product. 
there's a few that I think are doing a good job, uh, like like HelloFresh and Uber and what. And what I really like about all of them is that uh, it's the uh, the uh, referral marketing that they do with it, right? So you know, you get to try it for free. You get to gift one for free to your friends if you pass this referral code you get a free trip they get a free trip or they get a free box of food uh, you get one as well it's such a great way to basically turn your customer base into the your sales force and it's had lots of success um, so word of mouth is generally i think how we sell most of the time uh, we trust our friends way more than we trust brands so if your friends recommending something to you that's the best form of marketing you can get i have a funny story about us startup company where I use the product and they keep on using me as the customer. And so uh, it's a company out of Boulder, Colorado called Brandzuka. I hate their name, but it's a great product. And so essentially it's programmatic video pre-roll ads uh, made simple. So basically they buy video ads on the exchange and then resell and then it makes it easy for you to access it. Um, beautiful interface, great uh, analytics and really fast. So for me, I don't have a ton of time. Uh, but I love video ads and they perform really well for us. So we used them when they were a startup. I was like one of their first international customers. And then uh, they always ask me for testimonials. I'm happy to provide them. And then they had their first big company retreat. So they asked me to record like a video message for all the employees because they're like, they really know how to use their customers and always happy to do it. But part of it is they'd always send me really great discount coupons when I would do any one of those things. And so we don't have huge budgets. We're uh, not for profit. We really have to make every dollar stretch. It's part of our goal is to be good public stewards. So I was like, oh yeah, give me the coupons. I'm happy to give more testimonials. And then they would also come and ask me questions about the product. So what's working for you? What's not your repeat customer? And then earlier this year, they were doing a big uh, series round and they asked their, invest their potential investors to call me. So I did calls with their potential investors as a customer. And I think uh, really good startups do that with their customers for day one is they like bring them into the marketing fold as a valued partner because word of mouth is so valuable. That's a very like personal relationship with your customers too. Hey, like that's probably fairly rare in the marketing world to have that like one-on-one -on -one interaction with your customer. Uh, I think for this one, it's a marketing product. So they're pretty keen on knowing who their customer is because they know if they get like their claws into one marketing professional, it's pretty likely that they're going to recommend the product if it's good to a whole bunch of other people in their industry. I also think there's that like startup community mentality is like you're a brand new startup from Boulder. I work with startups in Edmonton. Of course, I'm going to give you a shot because um, I would hope that people in other markets, if they were introduced by the startup community, would do the same thing. Um, so yeah, there's a couple of startups out of Boulder that I've worked with really early and continue to do so. Um, another one's called Brand Folder. It's a really beautiful uh, digital asset management and brand folder. Uh, they thought their market when they opened was going to be small startups. It's like a place to do your electronic press kit, have all your brand resources. They had to do a major pivot when their customer changed. So I am priced out of their product, but they grandfathered me and I'm very grateful for that because their new clients are L'Oreal and the NBA. Yeah, wow. totally different market, uh, but happy to support a startup early on. Yeah, one of the first startups we worked with is GNS3. It was like a network simulation software and they had a massive community. Um, and one of the things we did was start to kind of activate like 
some of the more active community members and turn them into kind of the evangelists, so to speak. So they would be the ones who would be helping people with, they would be helping people on their own anyways, even without the support. But, you know, we were badging them and giving them hats and t-shirts and, and giving them shout outs everywhere. And now they're these like ambassadors who are just helping sell the product. And it was, it was like creating a workforce out of thin air. It was fantastic. Those are all, all great examples of companies doing really well and some not doing too hot. But um, um, if we can kind of pin down one project that you've both worked on that you, let's say they're your favorite or you find the most passionate working on. Sure. Uh, yeah. So one that we, excited we're right in the middle of is called mindful athletics uh, this is the notion that uh, mental health and sports have been relatively far apart for a long time and now you're noticing that there is coming into play quite a bit it's a lot of pressure on athletes uh, from parents and coaches and themselves to perform and uh, there's this link now to you know a happy player performs better uh, so we've, we're working with these three psychotherapists who are, have been working with kids for ages trying to help them through some of these pressures. Uh, and then now they're building an app together. Uh, so the idea is that the player anonymously punches in a number between 1 and 10 for maybe about six or seven different constructs around relationships and, and time and, and pressure and whatnot. And how are you feeling just roughly? And you dial it in. And that information gets anonymously sent to the coach. The coach now has a sense of how their team's doing emotionally and gets all this feedback around uh, what they can do to help with certain areas that are lacking. Um, they don't know who put it in so that we can hopefully keep the data honest. Uh, and then above the coaches, we have the association level. We can see how their coaches' teams are doing and how the coaches, you know, are they improving morale, how their mental health of their teams. So I just think it's a really nice uncovered area in sports that hasn't really been looked after so it's a, it's a great purpose behind them to kind of create happier athletes <laughs> and there is a, this tie into performance so that really speaks to the leagues and associations too if they can keep uh, mental health high they actually get better players and better scores and all that kind of stuff um they're wonderful people to work with which makes a massive difference just uh and small amount of stakeholders there's three of them so you know it's amazing we work with alberta health services where you know, 30, 30 people in a room is not uncommon. This is three people. We can get a decision done within minutes, which is unbelievable. Uh, so we're working on the app and we're working on the UX and design and the, the research. We're going to be doing the marketing and the branding and the purpose and the, uh, the rollout with all the, you know, bells. So it's end to end. It's just a wonderful thing to bring into the shop and just a great project to work on. So it just checks all the boxes for us. The end-to-end -end project doesn't happen very often. So uh, my life before Startup Edmonton and Innovate Edmonton was agency work. And I think that was one of the reasons why I jumped ship. Was, wasn't because I didn't love the work. It's that I wanted to have my hands in product um, because it's really hard uh, when you're doing agency work over and over again. You could work really hard, but it's hard to sell a bad thing. <laughs> and sometimes when you're in agency life, not everything you have to sell works. And so sometimes you're having to sell a dud. And uh, so it's nice being embedded uh, with product and program development because uh, I know I have the confidence that I'm always uh, selling something that can evolve to what the community and what the founders need. And also we get real-time feedback. And that's something I really loved having as part of my work here that I was missing a little bit in agency life is 
uh, we have a live dashboard. And so we see those net promoter scores come in in real time. And it gives us the chance to say, hey, like, what do we need to tweak in the product? What do we need to tweak in the, in the marketing campaign or in the content uh, in real time? I think my favorite thing, I don't sell uh, tech products. I, I don't market tech products. I, I market pro programs and community. And I think probably one of the most rewarding things uh, is marketing Edmonton Startup Week because it's a chance to welcome more people into the fold of the startup community here in Edmonton. And it's really open to anyone that's interested. And it doesn't matter what your level of technology technological proficiency or like job aspirations there's something for you and it's a bit of that end-to-end -end where there's very few campaigns in this land where you get to do like cineplex ads and outdoor and digital but also like a ton of public speaking and you get to see all of that all the options come together in one campaign and and that doesn't happen very often for us because it's a little bit of a like run and gun like, okay, we can do a little bit of digital for this one. We have some outdoor for this. We need a lot of ambassadors, but um, Edmonton Startup Week is really one of the ones where we get to pull out all the all the big guns and, and hope for the best. <laughs> Did you have a hand in um, doing that, um, like the startup? It wasn't a, not the startup pub crawl, but it was called like the tech crawl or something oh, like that? Oh, startup crawl is a foundational kind of anchor event of Startup Week. Um, I, I never got the number right this is either startup week five or six and it's been part of it since the very first one in Edmonton and we borrowed it from our friends at Boulder Startup Week so that's actually where I met the team at uh, Branzuko is down in Boulder for their startup week and uh, it's a really great event you should definitely check it out next startup week and basically a, a group of 100 plus of our favorite friends uh, meet up and then we go to five different startup offices. There are drinks, but what it's more about is uh, stickiness or social cohesion. So when it comes to building a tech product, it's really hard. And what you need is a bit of a social safety net for you to try things, to fail, to try again and meet your team members. And you can't always do that through a matching program like a founder matching or mentor matching. You really need to do that by building your true network of collaborators and something like Startup Crawl is one of the ways for you to start feeling out what kind of people do you want to work with uh, and also to see those relationships in action. I think that's something that's really interesting about Startup Crawl is you see people who used to work together that don't work together anymore having drinks. You see them making ref referrals of people they think would be great for their teams or giving you like the real talk on like, hey, you haven't validated your idea. I've seen 12 of those products fail already. And so it's a it's a fun one and it's it's super uh, relaxed. So like no one's gonna ask to see your like GitHub account on the crawl. Nobody's gonna ask you to prove that you know one language over the other. You can definitely engage as a marketing student or a business student and people will want to talk to you because that's the whole point of the crawl is to meet new people. I'm sure Adam did a big plug for it last episode, but students, uh, it's like having a golden ticket being a student and you can really reach out and you might not hear yes all the time, but people in Edmonton specifically want to help you. And so if you have questions about all the different kinds of roles available in tech companies, definitely reach out to people. They might not be able to go for a coffee every time, but they might be able to answer a series of questions over LinkedIn. Uh, I get a ton of questions when I'm out at events. I'm not always able to answer them all, but I, I'm always happy to hear from students and make other referrals. Um, and there's a free student membership. So give us your 
personal details and we'll put you in an automated email workflow. Uh, and we're always uh, pleasantly surprised by our open rates on student emails. Uh, I think people in general are big chickens and big liars. They don't mean to be, um, but they don't like to try new things and they don't tell you the truth. Uh, so that's why you have to go to the data because the data will show you the truth. And so people always tell me young people aren't on Facebook, young people don't use email. No, they're on Facebook. They just don't post anything. They click through on a ton of stuff. They don't post anything themselves. And they read all the emails. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we got on the topic of students. Um, it, that was some great advice for students to get involved. But if you can maybe think of another piece of advice, like critical advice that you'd leave for a student who would, who's maybe graduating soon, thinking about a career in tech or startups um, and this whole scene, um, what what do you think they should be doing maybe to prepare better for the, for the future? Yeah, I, you know, I, I always talk about network. I think networking it has a bit of a bad vibe to it when you think about it. It feels like you're going to be spinning out business cards everywhere. Uh, but, you know, I just think if you make a couple genuine conversations with someone, like actual real conversations, that's networking, right? So if you go out to these events, maybe you don't talk to anyone the first time or maybe not the second time, but maybe the third time you actually make a real connection with someone, that's worth 100 business cards to me, right? So I think uh, also understanding that your friends and family are your network, the people you are in your class are your network, and they may not seem like they're a super powerful business network right now, but everyone gets jobs and everyone gets promoted. And 10 years from now, if you actually cultivate your network and, and do the work of you know reaching out and putting them into your own sort of CRM, and that can be as simple as Outlook or an Excel sheet, if you get into that habit, that's one of the practices of some of the most successful people around. Um, and over time, your network is going to grow and it's going to get more powerful to the point where you won't need a resume one day. Um, so that's my biggest advice is don't don't wait and start your network and start networking um, and get over the fact that it sounds like a, a dirty word and just and get going and these opportunities are a fantastic way to get into this right so you're just going to have to get, honestly push yourself if you're not that person to just go and be brave and buy the ticket and then you're committed uh, i think i was really lucky when i started working with the startup Edmonton team. I'm a true introvert at heart. I like to show people I care about them through obsessive hard work. And the community side and the network side was really hard for me. And I remember one of the very first days I was working out of this space, Cam Linky, who's one of the co-founders of Startup Edmonton. I was sitting far away from people at a table he unplugged my computer and physically moved it closer to other people because he was like, this is what community is in real life and you need to engage. You can't just be our marketing person. You have to be part of this thing. And so uh, for me, I, I really feel that pain of being like the awkward person that doesn't have a tech background going to a data science meetup for the first time. It's super strange. But after you go a few times, you can see that there's something there for you and people that are really interested in learning about you as well. I think uh, my best advice for marketing students, if you're interested in startup land specifically, is you're going to have to be a generalist right off the bat. So if you're interested in specializing in only one area of marketing and communications, startup at that very base level is all hands on deck. So you're the person 
answering the live chat, writing the blog, you're placing the digital ads, you might be doing the demos. So it's definitely a place where you can get your hands dirty, but it's not always as segmented as you might want your career path to go if you only want to do marketing strategy and you don't want to be in the land of advertising placements. It's, it's a little sticky that way. Um, and I think that might be kind of the, the big thing I see with new marketing students is they have a very specific idea of their career path is uh, I want to be an account manager, then account director, then I want to be VP. And that's not always how it works on the tech side. And so opening up your kind of opportunities a bit more by uh, getting your hands dirty in lots of different pots. I think be a generalist is a, is a good one for yeah. tech because I think um, I've talked to other people in marketing who seem to think that, especially at an agency, they say almost the opposite where you should be a specialist in a certain facet, like say digital marketing or even like more segmented than that. And then you just stick to that. And then maybe you expand later, but then like to start off, they say to go like special, but, and in the tech side, I think to be a generalist is an interesting point. And there's a weirdness around that because like there's, there's, I also believe in the strength finder side of things where, you know, if you're weak in certain areas, I'm really weak in numbers and finance. Like I couldn't run that side of a company to save my life. So I find people who are really strong in those areas actually care about Excel sheets and all that stuff. And that's who I align with so that they're doing what they do well and I do what I do well and I'm not doing a poor job at that, right? So there is this, as these startups mature, of finding those strong corners that you need and understanding the areas that you do need, right? So, you know, legal, finance, uh, tech, design, marketing, like sales, there's so many parts. As you grow, you also need the humility to understand you're not going to be good at everything and to plug in people who are going to do a better job if you really want to be successful. But you're right, at the beginning, you're going to do everything, including making the t-shirt. I think that entire thing was the quote of the day there. That's some pretty good advice. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the quote of the day. Yeah, yeah perfect. perfect. Well, thanks again to Stephanie and Peter for joining us today. It was great having you guys on. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks for letting me crash this. <laughs> <laughs>